you can take just about any culture in the world and they themselves have some connection to tea. And that's not just China. You can look at Japan, you can look at the Middle East, you can look at Africa, all of Europe, and even this country. We all have some connection to tea. This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 87 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, today's episode of the podcast is about something that you can do in your morning basket if you so desire, but you can also do it at other times of the day. But it is one of my favorite homeschooling traditions, and it's all about tea time. Now, this particular episode of the podcast, we have an expert on tea. Yes, actually tea. Her name is Jennifer Stowe, and she's coming on to tell us all about how we can use real tea as kind of a central idea for learning in our home. And I kind of emphasize that because a lot of time when we've done tea time at my house, uh, you know, there was hot chocolate or lemonade in the cups, but Jennifer is all about tea. She actually owns her own tea room with her homeschooled daughters. They have built all of these educational experiences and opportunities around tea really fascinating. Now, I want to tell you that during the podcast, I learned so much when I was recording this one, guys, but during the podcast, Jennifer talks about all the different foods that you can eat uh, during your tea time. And it's really going to vary, not surprisingly, based on the culture uh, that you're emulating. So if you're doing a Chinese tea or a Japanese tea uh, or an African tea, the food is going to be very different than it would be at an English tea, which is what we often think of when it comes to tea time food. So I want you to listen for that. Having said that, in the United States, in the 21st century, having a tea time with our kids, we are often, as moms, looking for some quick and easy foods, some snacks that we can make with things that we probably already have in our pantry. So as a companion, to this particular podcast, I have put together for you a collection of five easy recipes that you can make for your tea time, something a little bit special with the foods that you already have in your pantry, along with a pantry planning sheet. So the pantry planning sheet is all about you writing down a record of what your kids really enjoy eating during tea time, some uh, different things you might need to have on hand, and what your kids enjoy drinking during tea time as well, just in case they're not buying in to the idea of tea. So to get that download, come on over to pambarnhill.com forward slash tea time all one word, and you can get it there. We would love to share that one with you. In the meantime, enjoy this episode of the podcast. Author Jennifer Stowe is a registered nurse, 
master herbalist, tea educator, and homeschool mom of six. She is a nationally recognized speaker whose topics include all aspects of tea and herbs, etiquette, and fine arts. Jennifer is the author of six books, including Infused, Tea Time in Fine Arts, and Wee Bites and Nibbles, Manners and Menus for the Tiniest Tea Drinkers. Her books weave tea together with poetry, literature, foreign cultures, and fine art. Along with her daughters, Jennifer owns and operates Three Sisters Tea Room in Campbellsville, Tennessee, where she hosts frequent educational teas designed especially for children. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Pam. It's good to be here. It is so, uh, so much fun to have you here. This was a topic where I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. Uh, Like that would be something that would be a lot of fun to explore, especially during the cold winter months. It's just some of the different things behind tea. A lot of homeschoolers love to have tea parties, but I don't know if we've ever thought about it quite as much as you have. (laughs) I've thought a lot about tea through the years, that's for sure. Well, tell me a little bit about you and about your homeschooling. I'd be happy to. I've been married for 30 years uh, to a military man who retired 10 years ago. And when that happened, we really left um, sort of corporate America and we moved out to the country in the hills of Tennessee. And I had uh, six children still in my homeschool at that time. And we uh, just jumped into farm life with gusto. So, uh, but today, 10 years later, I now just have three children still that I'm schooling. And because I was able to find a little bit of free time, um, I started to pursue some personal interests, which I soon found out were also interests of my daughters. And that's how our little tea room developed. But um, as far as our homeschool goes, we've always kind of embraced a uh, Charlotte Mason slash classical style, mm-hmm. which may seem a little strange, but uh, that is very much the approach we had. We always worked off of a timeline, but we always used the beautiful, the, the, the good and the beautiful in life, whether that was nature, poetry, art, music, was a huge part of our daily homeschool routine. And I currently have um, primarily high schoolers left. Um, I have three children who have graduated, two that are um, still in college and one uh, pursuing a bachelor's and the other her master's. So uh, we're definitely on the tail end of homeschooling. It's been a, it's been 23 years so far and I think maybe I have another five or six to go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is awesome. And I love the fact that you are forward thinking and have started thinking about, well, what am I going to do as these children grow up and leave? And you've looked into, you know, well, actually, you haven't just looked into it. You've started kind of your next phase by um, by working on your tea room. So tell me, what what is, what's a tea room? How is that different than a restaurant? Well, that's a really good question. Um, a tea room is just open for certain hours, typically, uh, and it only serves a particular type of menu. And that would be a tea menu where you might have a three-tiered tray and certain items on each tier and pots of tea and probably not a lot else. Now, a lot of different types of restaurants are called tea rooms, and that's perfectly fine. We probably run a more traditional British afternoon tea 
style tea room. So we just have one tea event a week because I still have a lot of responsibilities with school and now on the farm. But uh, we serve a, a special menu every month uh, when we have our afternoon tea. And then the other tea events tend to be children's book clubs. Um, we have a tea education class once a uh, month. Um, and we also have uh, what we call a craft tea where we do a guided tea, uh, sorry, a guided craft and have a, an afternoon tea as well. So uh, we, we typically don't have drop-ins. Everything is by reservation. And we have a pre- planned menu. Nobody really gets to order anything except for their choice of tea. Oh, fun. Okay. I'm thinking I need a tea room in my town. <laughs> that, that sounds like so much fun. But since I'm not in Tennessee, we're going to talk a little bit more about how we can bring some of this stuff into our homes. But before we do, what sparked your interest in tea? What led to you becoming a tea educator? I really don't remember when I developed an interest in tea. I've always been a consumer of tea. And therefore, as I got older and I started really teaching the children, I saw a thread of tea in history. And it just got me um, interested. And then we read a little bit more and I saw tea in other parts of the world. And so I began to purposely read books about tea history uh, and um, it's inception and, and then eventually different cultures and how they use tea in their daily life. So it was a real gradual interest and it grew quite naturally. But it, um, about five or six years ago, I very purposely started to engage in some um, education and pursued some tea classes and some tea tastings and, and you know, really learned the art and craft of tea. Uh, so I could then turn around and share that with the other people in our tea room. Oh, that's awesome. So let's kind of dive into some of what you were talking about with history. You have actually used tea and you still use kind of this idea of tea and you wrap it up with all kinds of learning literature, culture, and even history. So what does that look like in a homeschool? Well, it's, it's in my mind, such a perfect way to educate your children. <laughs> you can take just about any culture in the world and they themselves have some connection to tea. And that's not just China. You can look at Japan, you can look at the Middle East, you can look at Africa, um, all of Europe, and even this country. We all have some connection to tea. And then you look and see what sort of historical events happened around tea in a, any particular country. And for example, we'll just take our country and we have the Boston Tea Party. Well, now we have a thread that we can tie together with an entire unit study on the civil, uh, sorry, on the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. And now it's starting to get exciting because we can enjoy our uh, Liberty Tea during our morning uh, study time, reading about the uh, Boston Tea Party, and we now have a personal connection. Or we can contact a tea company in Great Britain and actually get a sample of the type of tea that was thrown overboard 
by the uh, Sons of Liberty and enjoy a cup of that while we're reading about it. So it makes learning alive. It makes learning very, very real to the, to the child. And in my mind, uh, very delicious too. <laughs> <laughs> I had never thought about that. Uh, like just the idea of contacting a company and trying to find a sample of that tea or drinking tea, you know, while you're studying that particular thread of history, it really does make a connection for the kids that I hadn't considered. Yes, it does. And you can take that a step further. If you want to study um, Japan, you don't even um, need to go too deep into Japanese culture before you learn the whole way of tea, the chado, and we start to see what their culture is like, their sense of uh, appreciation for beauty, for precision, for um, diligence and, and character. It's all wrapped up in their cheese ceremony. Um, so their religion is too, but we can take the beautiful part of that and, and um, learn from it. We can also find some uh, matcha tea and try the tea that they're drinking and learn why their tea is so different than tea in other countries. So there's tremendous learning potential that's wrapped up in this tiny little leaf. Well, and that almost gets into like a, a you know, certainly we've touched on history and geography, but almost like a science, like a horticulture lesson when it comes to why is this tea different from that tea? Oh, yes, that's an entire uh, area of study when it comes to tea and just uh, how all the, all the different teas that we see on the shelf in a supermarket come from one single leaf. And it's all the processing that makes a type of tea one way or another. So a green and a black tea come are the same exact leaf to start with. It's simply the processing that they undergo, which creates the type of tea it becomes. So there's huge potential for not only botany, but also just the science behind why um, a tea stays green or why it turns black. Um, you know, oxidation and heat and, and firing and drying and rolling, and it just uh, doesn't stop. Okay, that's fascinating because I thought it was different kinds of tea leaves, but uh, no, it's not. So that, that's really neat. Okay, learn something yep. new today. Uh, what about the literature connection? So you're you're making these fabulous like cultural and historical connections. What what literature connections can we make with tea? Well, if you are a lover of Jane Austen, it's an easy uh, thing to <laughs> to see. Uh, although. In Jane Austen's time, they had a very simplified uh, affection for tea. It was pretty much just the drink, nothing like an elaborate uh, tea meal that we see in Victorian, uh, I'm sorry, in Edwardian times in England, and even coming into this country uh, at the turn of the 20th century. But um, through all throughout literature are beautiful extracts of writing describing beautiful tea scenes. So now we can read these extracts um, uh, and we can memorize beautiful phrases and paragraphs even of Victorian authors who wrote about the, the beauty of spending an hour um, with quiet contemplation or with um, company and, and sandwiches or the humor of Oscar Wilde writing in The Importance of Being Earnest. My children have acted that scene out, their hilarious tea party. We have so much that we can use to teach the children uh, fine writing, memory work, uh, recitation, and even <laughs> acting. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, so obviously I have underestimated the importance of tea being everywhere and a great unifying factor. I mean, my daughter absolutely loves tea and it never occurred to me to bring this in as kind of a hook for her, you know, across learning. I use so many different things as hooks for my kids uh, in their learning and tea was something that had really never occurred to me, but now you've got my wheels turning just a little bit. So how can families implement, I guess, team, uh, like a themed tea in their home or in their morning basket as a way of learning? Do you have any ideas? Yes, I do have a great idea. We put out a book called We Mites and Nibbles, and it takes um, seven ch- very popular children's picture books. Ping, for example, um, Lily's uh, Purple Plastic Purse, The Empty Pot, very common books that might even be on your shelf right now. And we created um, an entire tea event around these picture books provided menus and crafts and, and questions and activities for the children to do. So that would be, in my mind, a really fun way to get children involved in the tea experience very quickly, very easily. But that's definitely more of an event. You would have to do a little pre-planning, maybe invite some friends over. So that wouldn't be an everyday sort of thing. But that is a wonderful way to implement for a special occasion or, you know, maybe the end of a, a busy semester or something like that in school. But I really believe the best way a family can implement tea into their morning time would be simply to take one of the art books that we've done. One of them is called Infused. It's Tea Time in Fine Art. And the other is called Hide and Seek. And it's a, it's a children's eye spy for fine art. And this is so usable at, at any moment in time. You simply open the book and a beautiful replica of a piece of fine art is on display for the children to just simply gaze at. And as they look at it, they become interested in the colors or the subject matter. And you can just ask them a few simple guided questions and begin a dialogue about the painting. But uh, on the opposing page for the mom is a little bit of information about the artist's uh, background, the country that he's from, maybe his uh, Uh, time and history. So you can feed the children a little more information and have a very impromptu picture study without any need for prep work or, or thinking ahead. And the pictures are all very engaging for children because they feature children themselves. In Infused, every picture has tea represented in some way, but it also has children enjoying the tea. And in our hide and seek, my daughters actually put that book together and they have put in questions for the children to think about as they're looking at the picture. And all of those pictures themselves have featured children doing interesting things. So that's just a couple of ways. (laughs) I didn't mean to go on quite that long, but uh, you you can do it almost instantaneously. The other uh, book that we have is uh, Afternoon Tea, and that's Rhymes for Children. And these are uh, 19th century poems that are all about children, and they're doing everyday sorts of things, and they have beautiful time period illustrations. 
but they're, they look quite different than children today. And they are a wonderful lesson of what colonial America looks like. So that's the second book that I thought would be very, very simple for parents to pick up without any prep work, open the book, read a poem, and chat with the children about uh, why a little girl would be mopping a floor or or shooing ducks down a path or doing some of these unusual things that we might expect uh, in colonial times, but maybe not so much today. Right, right. And then you said in Infused that the book, uh, there were depictions of tea in the artwork that you use in the book. That's correct. All of the pictures feature children enjoying tea in some way, whether that's in this country or in Europe or in Asia. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's so interesting. So uh, what if you have children who are not familiar with tea? How do you get, how do you get them started in kind of this idea of, uh, you know, bringing them to the table and getting them interested in trying some tea? Well, I'm not a stickler that it has to be the brewed liquid of the Camilla sinensis plant. I'm perfectly happy to serve herbals or tisanes or even hot chocolate if that's what the children prefer. I find that uh, eventually all kids want to come around and try the, the actual tea. But sometimes to start, we just have uh, a little bit of cinnamon milk for the young ones or a peppermint tea or rooibos, but it's not so much what's in the cup uh, to that whatever will bring the children around and have that spirit, receptive spirit to be united with their siblings and learn is good, is good for me. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love, love, love that. Because yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times families want the, the community of coming together and making it a little bit special, you know, we always talk about coming together d- daily or almost daily in morning time, but I think adding something like the tea just kind of gives it a little bit of extra uh, specialness to the day and sets that agree. time apart. I would definitely agree with that. In fact, Tuesdays are the day we have a proper tea time in my house. And so today is Tuesday and my 16-year-old son has already asked me to have tea with him this afternoon because it is a time that is set apart and separate. Now, this isn't exactly what we do for for morning time. This is set apart and different and we make scones and have pots of tea, just two of us uh, family members together and we usually read together or play a game together. But um, every morning we start off around the table with the teapot and our books uh, to kind of just start our day off on the right foot first, you know, with it, with the devotion and, and then some, some memory work and some uh, reading out loud and then something beautiful, whether it's a piece of fine art or a piece of music. We do a lot of composer studies uh, or a poem if I didn't already say that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what if I have boys? Cause you mentioned that your son had actually had asked you to do tea with him. Um, I think a lot of times we get this idea that Victorian tea is just for girls. So what could be some of the benefits of uh, actually slowing down and connecting and doing, uh, you know, serving tea and maybe some of these more special tea snacks, which we're going to talk about in a minute with our boys and not just our girls. 
Well, I love this question because tea is not for girls uh, only. It's for everybody. When I look at some of the finest tea masters throughout the ages, hands down, they are all men. And I can tell you they weren't drinking out of China teacups with little pink roses on them. <laughs> they were drinking out of beautiful hand-thrown pottery, which uh, my uh, my two sons are very interested in, in pursuing right now. So there's another extension of tea in, in um, your, their education. They want to make these matcha bowls out of clay. But anyways, I have found a couple of things work very well. First of all, I have found stainless steel teacups for my boys. So nothing foo-foo there. I do want them to drink out of teacups simply because Part of the tea experience is also manners and etiquette. And when you're slogging uh, tea out of a great big mug, you um, aren't really working on your manners or being aware of your manners very much. <laughs> but if I give you a teacup, everything about your persona will change just a little bit. And uh, But my boys don't want anything fussy, so I found these great stainless steel teacups, and we, we use those all the time. That's their teacup. Now, my girls have oodles of china with pink roses, but the boys, that's what they have. So that makes them feel a little bit more comfortable right off the bat. We also do a lot of Asian-style tea where they drink out of more something that looks a little bit more like a, a bowl, a small bowl, like maybe a dipping sauce-type bowl, than an actual teacup. So that helps as also. But the bottom line is, if there's food involved, I have found that boys <laughs> typically show up. So I've used that to our advantage. And I have, uh, and they're great bakers. They, they want to get in on the act and, and bake the, the cake or the scones or the cookies that they like best for tea. So they're motivated by their taste buds as well as um, knowing that they have been, that I've selected something special just for them in, in this uh, stainless steel cup. It's just been two things that have worked really well for us is um, food and something that's not quite so feminine to drink out of. Oh, I love that. I had never even heard of stainless. I'm like sitting over here looking it up on Amazon as you're talking about it. I had never heard of those. So that's that's absolutely perfect because then you eliminate the the little flowery cups. We have some of those and gives the boys something else to drink out of. Um, I wanted to talk to you about food. What are, and you've mentioned a couple different kinds, but what are some different kinds of tea foods and do you ever do savory? tea foods? Okay. Well, this is such an exciting question because again, the, the possibility and potential for learning is, is just amazing. If we, uh, tea food, we think of in Victoria or Edwardian tea times tend to have a savory crustless sandwich. So it's a little tiny sliver of a cucumber sandwich or a, a chicken salad or something like that. And then you have your scones and then you have your sweets and they could be anything from chocolate mousse to a little uh, shortbread cookie to a slice of cake. Anything goes there, but that's just the English version of tea. If we wanted to branch out and do tea the way Moroccans do in North Africa, we would have stuffed dates and we would mm. have oranges and almonds with our tea. If we were over in China, 
we would probably have what uh, some type of a hard-boiled egg, maybe a quail's egg or a small poultry egg. We would have something that had, was very savory, like crispy noodles or uh, hot and spicy, um, like a green, um, something that looks similar to a green bean or some kind of steamed green vegetable, asparagus, something like that, which would have a very, very hot sauce on top of it. If we were in Japan, we would definitely have something that had seaweed or um, fish-based food. So again, the learning potential is there to follow your country of uh, study or just to say, hey, let's, let's try some food from... Uh, that they would typically eat in Turkey with their tea, which is another fascinating study all in its own. The Middle East has its own sort of, uh, traditions that are beautiful. So lots of different versions, but typically in America, we think pretty much something sweet to go with a cup of tea. And that's great. We'll make a bundt cake or uh, we'll make um, chocolate chip cookies. It, any day it might be something out of, but definitely a baked good, like out of, you know, sweet baked good. Oh, I love that. And yeah, I just, I think the thing that's always going through my mind is, yes, there's English tea or sure there might be, you know, tea, you know, kind of a Chinese or a Japanese setting for tea, but I never think about uh, the Middle East or some of these other areas. And there's so much learning, uh, you know, and even early American tea that could be done when you really start to look at all of this around the world and through history as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So what made you guys decide that you wanted to start a tea room and how are your, how are your daughters involved in this? Well, as I had mentioned earlier, when um, my children started to graduate, I started looking ahead to when maybe I wouldn't have children in school and what was I going to do then? And I thought, well, maybe I could share my passion for tea with other people. And I toyed around with the idea of a tea room, but it was many, many years before we actually got a tea, a physical tea room on our property. We began by carrying teas all over the place. We would take them to homeschool groups and church, uh, ladies groups at churches and nursing homes, even libraries, public schools. And we would teach uh, a program called Tea Around the World. And we would do much of what I've just discussed here as far as sharing uh, tea in different cultures. And we had samples of all the different teas. And at times we even had costumes from the different countries and what traditional tea wear might, a clothing wear might look like. Uh, And we also just took teas for parties if people wanted to have an individual, a personal party in their home. And so we were kind of like a traveling tea room for a while. And then my husband built a little cottage on our property and I kept looking at it during construction time thinking what a great tea room it would make (laughs) and he was kind enough to uh, allow me to do that Uh, so we opened that tea room six years ago on our property and it's something that I could never never do without my daughters and I realized that they are growing up and graduating and we may not have this tea room forever they are such an integral part of the functioning of the tea room my my eldest daughter is 25 she's um of getting her master's in philology and she is a graphic designer she's extremely artistic and so she's the one that does all of our books and she does beautiful 
plays cards for the table. She decorates the tea room with such flair and, and, and I'd be lost without that. So my set, and then my second daughter is uh, almost 19 and she is my office manager. She does all of the computer work and the organization of, of the reservations and things that are very, very tedious for me. She does with great skill. And then my youngest daughter, she's 12. And she, since she was only six when we started this, so she has been our greeter for since day one. And since a lot of our uh, members, or a lot of our guests to our regular teas tend to be seniors, being greeted by a six-year-old and getting hugs and, and a lot of uh, attention has, has just kind of warmed their hearts. And she's grown out very, very comfortable uh, with people through different age groups and with different, um, oh, you know, some of them come in with canes or you know, she just doesn't have any problem with the, uh, any, any people of any kind. So that's always been a real real blessing to have her stand out there and greet people so enthusiastically. And as she's grown up, she's continued to be quite the social butterfly. So that's that's been a blessing. But as you can see, uh, I just sort of make the food and show up. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, we always have a program with every, every event that we um, host. So sometimes we might feature an artist. We just had a, a tea on Klimt's golden period. And before that, we did Vincent Van Gogh, and, and we've had, we feature poets, all kinds of things. Uh, we did a Votes for Women tea this summer to commemorate the 100th anniversary. So there's always something that's uh, maybe a tiny bit educational that we offer to our guests and kind of tie that theme throughout the food, throughout the decor, and their place cards so that um, in addition to getting cups of tea, they're also maybe getting a little tidbit they didn't know too much about before they walked through our doors. I love it. I love it because so first of all, you've you've totally made this a family affair for a homeschooling family and look at all the wonderful, valuable skills that your, your daughters uh, especially have picked up by working in the tea room and then you've kind of taken some of the beauty of the lifestyle of homeschooling and the things we do at homeschoolers and taken it out and shared it with the community at large and I think uh, that's just so much fun. Yes, that really was our vision to start with is is to share uh, to share a love of whatever we were studying with other people and now people have really come to okay, so what are we going to learn today? Or what are, what are we talking about today? And, you know, we might even just study, we, we had a, a tea recently where we just read Edgar Guest poetry because we were uh, just enamored with his poetry. Uh, we found an old book and started reading it around the table and shared that with our guests. So it doesn't take much to make a tea for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so if we have a mom who's listening and she's like, you know what, this sounds like so much fun. What does a mom need to do to get started easily with uh, using tea as a tool for learning in their homeschool? I would say just a, just a couple of things. I would go to the grocery store and pick up a few varieties of tea that sound appealing to you. Uh, and then maybe even pop into a, a thrift store of some kind and pick up a few odds and ends, or maybe, maybe just ask your mother-in-law or, or your grandmother or something like that, if they have any teacups, because I really do think 
having something that's just a little set apart, it's not what you use every morning for breakfast, this is our tea time material, is important. Then I would pick out a couple of poetry books. And for children, I have some real favorites. I love Robert Louis Stevenson for children. And um, I've already mentioned Edgar Guest. Uh, I, I, have, I love Robert Frost. There's, there's no end to the choices for poetry books. But find something that's geared to children. And Make yourself a cup of tea with those tea bags in the pretty teacups and begin reading poetry to your children or collect note cards that people send you or that you might see um, on a stationer's shelf of fine art. Collect them, start showing them to your children or go to the library and pick out. There's some wonderful children's books on art today uh, in the I Spy vein um, that are very easily accessible and, and really easy to use and begin the practice of feasting on the good and the beautiful things in life. Um, and, you know, the, the culture at large wants to show us something other than these beautiful pictures. It's, it's up to us as moms to, to really infuse into the hearts of our kids the, the beauty and not the ugliness that man can create. Oh, I love it. I love it. So just very simply, yes. collect up some tea get those set apart items. Uh, I love that idea. And then, and find some beautiful things to share, which is kind of what we do with morning time. So just add some That's tea. Exactly right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> well, Jennifer, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know about, about tea? <laughs> well, let's see. I don't know. I would like to tell you that tea is delicious, but also if you would like to delve into its health properties, that's another entire area of study that you could pursue because tea is the, uh, makes claims to have tremendous immune boosting properties, uh, health benefits for the heart and blood pressure. So overall, I want to say that tea is a very good thing. <laughs> Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah. So once again, you've thrown out a whole new area of study for us when it comes. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. So uh, it's amazing how something so simple as tea and, you know, being from the South, we've mostly done sweet tea, uh, which is an iced tea. But it's amazing to think about just the depths uh, that you can plumb when it comes to uh, something so simple as tea. So I really appreciate you coming on today and like leading us into this whole new area of knowledge and how we might could use it uh, in our homeschools. So where can people find you online? We have a website, threesisterstearoom.com. We have a Facebook page by the same name and all of our books are available on Amazon. And I have an author's page as Jennifer Stowe, even though my daughters have done some of the books, we just put them all under one name. Awesome. Awesome. And it's threesisterstearoom.com. And we will link to that one uh, in the show notes. It's a delightful website with lots of great information there as well. So we'll connect everybody up with that. Well, Jennifer, thanks so much for coming on. Pam, thank you so much for inviting me. It was lovely. And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to Jennifer's website, 
and to all of her wonderful tea time books and resources that she told us about today. They sound so much fun. You can find them on the show notes for this episode of the podcast. Those are at pambarnhill.com forward slash YMB87. Now, also on the show notes, you can find a link to our five easy recipes and tea time pantry planner that we have absolutely free for you. So come and download that one as well. Coming up in a couple of weeks, we have something a little bit different on the podcast. We are sharing with you one of the trainings for moms that is inside the Your Morning Basket Plus membership. Now, this training is all about how in the world can I do morning time with a wide range of ages and with toddlers and little ones underfoot at the same time. So we have mom of 10, Heather Tully, who uh, did this training with me a couple years ago. We're pulling out the audio. We're actually even going to provide the video to you as well if you want to come over to the website and watch it. And you're going to learn all about how you can get this done. It's one of the biggest questions that we have about doing morning time in the homeschool, and I think it's going to be incredibly helpful. So be back in a couple of weeks for that one. And until then, keep seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool day. 